Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. AM 1060 as always online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports it is Friday it is September 1st and guess what it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits we have a weekend of week one college football action to get into however Bob uh, you kind of Made me a little bit sad to hear that statistic at the end of the sports zone there with how this is yeah. like the least amount of top 25 matchups in what, 20 years? For, for week one. And for this right. is, you know, technically week one. Uh, I'm going to the C. I'm, that's according to CBS Sports Network. I knew it was bad. I've been telling you this for like two weeks. You <laughs> have. It's really disappointed in this schedule. And it's not very good next week either, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, at least we have Alabama and Texas next week. Uh, but, uh, you know, when, when college game days at North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, that ought to tell you something. Those teams combined for 10 losses last season. That's the college game day game. The only game that is, I think, really of top echelon is uh, the only top 25 matchup and really a top 10 matchup, Florida State against LSU and Orlando. Other than that, I mean, it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of games. I didn't I didn't count these off. There's got to be a, at least a half dozen games that the point spreads like 30 points or more. Wow. Well, we will certainly dive into a little bit about that here uh, in today's show for Friday Spread. But guess what that means for you? There's a $100 gift certificate on the line from Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Of course, you know it. Von Hansen's Meats. It's not your normal meat market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Certified Angus Beef Choice New York Strip Steak at $24.99 a pound. Bacon-wrapped boneless pork chop. Bob, two for ten dollars and fresh, yeah. yeah, fresh jumbo party style chicken wings at four ninety nine a pound. Those are the weekend specials. You can also visit them at vonhansensmeats.net. Let's get into the poll questions here for today, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob wrapped up the NFL previews with the Raiders today. Vic Topher of The Athletic joined the program in the 9 o'clock hour. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. But for the Raiders, over under 7.5 wins, and the masses are currently on the under to the tune of 70% of the vote over sitting at 30%. Yeah, the, maybe this is fitting. We've we down to 32 of the 32 teams. As uh, far as the season win total goes, this was the one that had the most variance, I think, of any of the 32 teams. I've seen, I saw as low as six and a half. It's really been seven and a half for months. Uh, but I think that the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, yeah, he was, is he going to be ready for camp? Is he going to be ready for the season, et cetera? I think that's why it's as low as six and a half in some places. I went to seven and a half. We went with that number because that's the one that the, the number that's been the most constant. 
uh, for months now because they put these things up in some places. Actually, I guess some places even put it up before the draft, but most wait until after the draft, so that's late April. So, like I said, it's a kind of the wackiest number of all these season win totals that I've gone through in the last you know six weeks here in all 32 teams now. So we just kind of arrived at seven and a half, or I did at least, because I just thought it was the most consistent number over the large period of time when people have actually been betting on this. And we will answer that question officially around 11.30 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Who wins Sunday in Orlando, Florida State or LSU? And the masses are on the LSU side of things, 68.8%. Florida State, 31.3%. This is kind of like the uh, you know the ASU reunion festival here uh, with you know, Jaden Daniels, the starting quarterback for LSU. Johnny Wilson, a big-time receiver now for Florida State. Uh, Jane Daniels threw many passes to Johnny Wilson in, in Tempe, and Johnny Wilson dropped a lot of those many passes. Now, seemingly, he doesn't drop anything uh, in Tallahassee, and uh, I've even heard it mentioned that Johnny Wilson might be a first-round draft pick in 2024. We will answer that question 11.30. Time for you to hop aboard around 11.15 today. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. Let's dive into the start to the Kenny Dillingham era for ASU football. And it was an odd start for them, obviously, because uh, Thursday night's contest had a serious weather delay involved as they were taking on Southern Utah. The end result was a three-point victory for ASU, 24 before the storm delay, uh, the plays to me that stood out for ASU included uh, Jaden Rashada starting the night with three passes, including a 33-yard pass that set up uh, Cam Scadabo's six-yard touchdown run. Then a decision here at midfield. Kenny Dillingham decides to go for it on fourth and eight, and Rashada hits uh, Gilleroy for a 47-yard beautiful touchdown pass there. And then right before the half, Rashada hit a corner fade route to put them up 20 uh to, to give them 21 points and so those were the plays that stood out before halftime that's true and i didn't come back after halftime i was asleep long asleep uh they didn't get done till like 1 1 30 uh so I, I apologize but i wasn't gonna you know watch i think uh you know some really bad football quite frankly southern utah and fcs team they have uh uh, you know, just to repeat from the sports zone, I'm going to watch a billion college football games this year. I just hope that I don't watch anybody that has less talent than Southern Utah. They're bad. Uh, ASU was favored by 34 points and won by three. Uh, you know, it's hard to quantify this, right? But how much did that delay impact things? You know, if they were finding an offensive rhythm there at late, how was there the mental preparation being able to come back after such a lengthy delay? Because at that point, they did not score another offensive touchdown. In fact, uh, when they did resume play, ASU really struggled on offense and they scored just three points. And that was set up by Elijah Badger's 81-yard kickoff return. So I'm just curious. And we we obviously can't quantify it here but just how much that delay impacted things i have no idea because i wasn't paying attention but i was you know long asleep by then but i don't think asu was even that good on offense in the first half you mentioned the key plays for sure but you know they basically had like a two drive you know back-to-back -back drives you know for, scored in the first drive 
did nothing uh, for the next like 20 minutes of playing time and then scored in the final two drives of the half. And uh, they just, I like to sit here and say that I was impressed. I mean, Rashada throws a really good deep ball. Also, he missed some pretty easy, a couple of easy pitch and catch situations. Uh, so, and the thing that was, uh, the two things that were most disturbing to me last night, and I mean, I used, I'm using the word disturbing uh, purposely and I think accurately. One, usually when you have a team that is you know, vastly superior to the other, and whether it's just FBS against FBS, or in this case, FBS against FCS. Usually the team that's superior dominates physically at the line of scrimmage. ASU did not do that at least in the first half last night. In fact, I thought they got shoved around a couple of times, especially the offensive line, which I think is highly suspect at this point. Uh, the second thing, yeah, we watched this defense really play poorly last year. Some of those guys are back. Some of them, you know, they've got a billion transfers and all kinds of new players. But the result was kind of similar. They had, uh, in the second quarter, Southern Utah had a seven-minute touchdown drive, and ASU couldn't get off the field on third down. That was a massive problem for ASU last year. In fact, I looked it up after that seven-minute touchdown drive from Southern Utah. I knew ASU was bad on third down last year. They were actually 11th in the Pac-12 out of 12 teams. And the only team that was worse was Colorado. And Colorado was like next to last in the country in third down defense. That's the only team in the conference that were better than on third down defense. And that was a problem, at least on that one drive last night, a major problem. I said this. And they also had no pass rush, none. I don't think they had a sack the whole game. I know they did in the first half. And I looked at the stats and in the game it said zero sacks. So I guess they didn't have any. Well, that's not great, as you're pointing out, FBS versus FCS here, not getting a pass rush. Uh, I know I mentioned this to you in break when we were talking a little bit about Jaden Rashada. And for, for the, the deep ball throws, and Doug Haller was talking about how good he is at doing that, and some of the little uh, things that you would expect to be routine, uh, you know, maybe just chalking that up to being a, a freshman and kind of growing into, into what he's supposed to be doing moving forward here. So I'm just curious to see how we see that development and how we see that growth over time. I think that's really fair. Uh, the other thing is, you know, reading defenses, and it's not like, uh, you know, I'm guessing this is the, I, I can't imagine that this is, a, Southern Utah is going to be the least talented team they play this year. Uh, and he had a couple of problems reading defenses against them, but that's also to be highly expected from a true freshman, unless you're just way ahead of the curve with your member of the Manning family or something. Uh, that's most likely not going to happen. That's going to happen to almost every freshman quarterback in his first start, etc. But I would like to sit here and say I took a lot of positives out of that first half last night, but I would be lying if I said that. Moving into some other college football from last night, and positives maybe are far and few between. Uh, Utah beating Florida <laughs> 24 to 11. Cam Rising did not play. It was a combination here at quarterback for the Utes. Bryson Barnes, 12 of 18, 159 yards, one touchdown. Nate Johnson, 3 of 4 for 6 yards, and most of his production on the ground, 6 carries, 45 yards. For Florida, Graham Mertz was 31 of 44 for 333 yards 
points, one touchdown, one interception. The ground game was non-existent for the Gators with Trevor Etienne, seven carries, 25 yards. Montrell Johnson Jr., three carries for six yards. And uh, Florida struggled from the start. Well, actually, they had plenty of yards. They just couldn't figure out how to get in the end zone when it mattered. Uh, the uh, yeah, Certainly, I think the biggest thing in this game is that you know, we knew, uh, at least I knew that Florida, a lot of people assumed, that Florida's offensive line was going to be a major problem. They have four new starting offensive linemen. A couple of those guys were actually very good last year. I know Anthony Richardson got all the credit. But they had they got a couple guys that were you know drafted and and free agents who apparently have made NFL rosters to this point, so that's a big drop off. And the Utah defensive front completely dominated. However, uh, arguably the best linebacker in the Pac-12, Kareen Reed, uh, for Utah, left with what looked like a serious knee injury in the first half of this game. Uh, first, you know, very, I think even the first quarter of this game, for some reason I don't have quarter written down here. I just have first half in my notes. But he's a big-time player. He left this game. This was okay. They It wasn't just you know, Cam Rising out. They had six other starters out. And uh, you know, we had some shenanigans with Utah and injury updates last year. And uh, they don't have to officially say anything in college football, and most teams and conferences don't do that. Uh, And uh, I didn't know anything about this. I'm guessing most people didn't know anything about this until, you know, like 15 minutes before on the ESPN pregame show, Chris Fowler came on, and he's doing the play-by-play, and he said that Utah is going to be without, you know, a lot of starters tonight. That's the first I'd heard of it. And they were. (laughs) Yes, they were. Um, next up on the docket was Minnesota beating Nebraska 13 to 10 in overtime. And it took a late second heroics or late minute heroics for Minnesota to tie it up with two minutes and 32 seconds to play in the game. And it was an incredible catch on fourth down by Daniel Jackson as well to get his foot in bounds. Um, but overall, this game was tough to watch. Exactly. I mean, it, it was impossible at times. I mean, it was awful. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Michigan's just going, boy, I hope to God that Nebraska and Minnesota don't make the conference championship game. We're never going to beat those two teams. You could combine these two teams, and they're not going to beat Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. Uh, it was really, really bad. Uh, Minnesota doesn't have a quarterback. Of course, uh, you know, Tanner Morgan was there for you know, ever. I think he was a six-year player, in fact, you know, with all the COVID you know, rules and so forth that allow you to stay forever. Uh, they need him back. <laughs> they also lost a bunch of offensive linemen and running backs, uh, so that wasn't surprising. I wasn't surprised that uh, they weren't – Minnesota's offense wasn't bad. I was actually a little surprised. You know, Nebraska you – know, I was looking for Scott Frost in the sidelines towards the end of the game because they lost every close game he ever coached. Uh, it seemed like, and they lost another close game last night. And this was more Nebraska losing the game than Minnesota winning. I, that was a great coach at the end of the game, no doubt about it. But, you know, Nebraska has this game. They got a chance to win this game and put it away. And Jeff Sims, who was a really good quarterback, well, I should rephrase that, a very talented quarterback when he was at Georgia Tech and horribly coached at Georgia Tech, and I've always kind of been intrigued because he's a tremendous athlete. 
he made uh, he made two of the dumbest throws in the history of football in this game. I'm not exaggerating too much. He threw a pick in the end zone at the end of the first half that cost him three points, and then they're driving to win the game, and he threw another pick. Uh, so it's it kind of it kind of like Nebraska all over again. I thought uh, it's only one game, and once again, I'm going to use this a lot in the next uh, you know week or so. I'm not going to try to jump to massive conclusions after one game of a college football season. Remember, these teams don't have preseason or anything like that or joint practices <laughs> like they do in the NFL. But this was, uh, you know, my God, this was just awful to watch. And I felt sorry for Gus Johnson, who was trying to, you know, pump it up and do the Gus Johnson thing. I think Gus even had a tough time making this game sound exciting. The big news, though, from college football today comes from the ACC. Uh, Apparently more expansion here. ACC presidents and chancellors meeting this morning here and voted to add three schools, Stanford, Cal, and SMU. This now means the ACC will have 18 members. 17 will play football full-time. Full-time additions as well for all sports, and that starts 2024 to 2025. The ACC needed 12 of 15 votes to expand, and about three weeks ago when they did a straw poll. Yeah. (laughs) You had Florida State, Clemson, UNC, and NC State opposing, and apparently, according to ESPN's Andrea Adelson, NC State is the one that flipped this morning. Well, apparently there's some kind of payout thing here, too. Um, uh, that's That's what changed... There's some kind of uh, guaranteed money to the three schools coming in, uh, and it's less than the other schools that are established, quote-unquote. I guess I do have those numbers here. So Cal and Stanford are expected to receive 30% shares, and then SMU is expected to go nine years without broadcast revenue. Yeah, the SMU, I don't think that part's changed, but I think that the – the uh, you know, Cal and Stanford, that is what changed in three weeks, apparently, that got uh, somebody, a couple teams or a couple you – know, well, they only needed one more vote, right, uh, from two weeks ago? Yes. Or uh, three, for three weeks ago, excuse me. So that's what changed, apparently. Well, now the Pac-12, they were hoping to kind of keep the Pac-12 when they still had Stanford and Cal – with Oregon State and Washington State, but now it's just Oregon State and Washington State remaining. So I'm not necessarily in the prediction business, but it is like a prediction Friday here. So I'd have to think here that uh, Oregon State, Washington State find homes in the Mountain West and there's no more Pac-12 conference. I think it's very safe to say there's no more more Pac-12 conference after this upcoming season. Yeah, I don't know where else Oregon State and Washington State would go, but uh, good luck. It's Friday. I like Oregon Oregon State this year. (laughs) (laughs) It's Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We dive into week one of the college football slate on the other side of the break. It's the extra point. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. 
1026 here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And as it is Friday, September 1st, Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. And uh, we'll have the $100 gift certificate brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits a little bit later on in the program. Uh, And then just as a reminder, what we did last year is when you were the winner of the $100 gift certificate, you were providing me the bet for the weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so then we had the $5 uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and then we were hoping to be able to get some money to charity at season's end. So we will continue that, start that again this year. All right. When it comes to... Games. Let's start with Fresno State and Purdue. Fresno State plus four and a half, Purdue minus four and a half, over under sitting at 47 and a half. Numbers from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Fresno State went 10 and four last year, including seven and one in Mountain West play. They have UCF transfer Mickey Keene now as the quarterback here. Jeff Tedford at the helm of this Fresno State team, but lost a lot of key contributors from a year ago on offense. But also you have Purdue with a new head coach, Ryan Walters, coming in for Jeff Braun. Uh, Hudson Carr, Card, I should say, is Purdue's quarterback transferring in from Texas. So there's a lot here, and I, I, I think there's a like a legitimate possibility for an upset here with Fresno State. I think there is. I think it's really difficult to tell anything about Purdue at this point, though, because it's such a you, know, you go from the defensive coordinator at Illinois from uh, Jeff Brom, who. You kind of you know knew what you were getting out of Brom as far as you know week to week as far as his offense goes and pretty much the same type of approach uh, whether when he had Rondell Moore or when he you know, didn't have Rondell Moore. Uh, so you know they're gonna throw it around, pitch it around. Card's an interesting guy. He was a uh, you know one of the you know there's like five thousand quarterbacks that have been the greatest high school quarterback in the history of Texas high school football, right? Anyway, he's one of them, uh, and he went there, and he actually had some success there. But uh, you know, obviously, he's been passed over by you know at least three guys uh, in the current Texas roster, so he wasn't going to stay there. So he ends up at Purdue. There we go. Uh, moving into this one here, whoo! East Carolina plus thirty-five and a half, Michigan minus thirty-five and a half. Over/under sitting at fifty-one and a half. We know Jim Harbaugh is not going to be uh, coaching as he's serving his suspension. But questions for me here with JJ McCarthy. He's back leading the Wolverines. So how much is he going to grow and learn from last year to this year? And then Blake Corum is back healthy and ready to go for the Wolverines. Two hundred and forty-seven carries, one thousand four hundred and sixty-three yards, eight. 18 touchdowns last year. Donovan Edwards is his one-two punch there. 140 carries, 991 yards, seven touchdowns last year. It's not just Harbaugh who's not participating here. Offensive coordinator Sharon Moore also was suspended by the school like Tuesday. I have no idea what happened there. I don't know if this has to do with uh, the NCAA issues with Harbaugh or whatever, but like Tuesday. Uh, the offensive coordinator was at least officially, publicly suspended uh, by the school for at least this game. So uh, I'm not sure what's up with that. I would really like to take East Carolina and, and plus 38 or whatever it is, um, some insane number. Uh, I'd really like to take them, but 
you know, they lost, they lost, they had a very good offense the last couple of years. They had a quarterback that was, you know, there for four or five, six years. Uh, he's uh, in the Seattle. He was, I think he made the Seahawks team. In fact, I know I, uh, yeah, he's, he was on their you know, you know, preseason roster. Cause I remember we did the Seahawks preview a long time ago. Uh, I saw his name. I went, wow. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, they just lost too many players from, you know, they had a stud receiver. I'm guessing he's in the NFL now too. Uh, but I, I can't make a case for East Carolina here getting all those points. Uh, Virginia and Tennessee here. Virginia plus 27 and a half. Tennessee minus 27 and a half. Over under 56 and a half numbers from FanDuel. Uh, questions for me here are how will Joel Milton do at quarterback for the Vols? And then also how will some of the transfers help on that defense? Will their defense improve from their 91st ranking last year? Well, I would hope, but I don't think we're going to find out anything in this game because Virginia's program is a mess. Uh, ever since Mendenhall left kind of unexpectedly at the end of the 2021 season, uh, they were awful last year, disjointed. Uh, they had a lot of good players back, and it just was a mess. Uh, and I can't imagine it's going to get any better. But uh, I don't think we're going to find anything about tennis, anything about, you know, I don't care if they went 100 nothing. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions after, after they beat Virginia. All right. I know you've been just waiting, anticipating to talk about this contest. Colorado and TCU. Colorado plus 20 and a half. TCU minus 20 and a half. Over under sitting at 63. TCU lost Max Duggan, lost Quentin Johnston, lost Kendra Miller. Also lost offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. He's now with Clemson. So how much of a step back will TCU be taking this year? Uh, then you also just have the complete unknowns about Colorado. How is Deion Sanders going to do in his first year coaching here in Division One football in addition to the complete roster overhaul that Colorado experienced? Yeah, this might be uh, if you're I'm certainly not going to bet this game before. It's like they're getting like three touchdowns, Colorado in this game. Uh, and which, I, you know, I, it's got to be a real chore for an odds maker to make a number on this game because what are you getting from either side? You just mentioned, you know, both the uncertainty for both teams here. So that's one of the problems sometimes at week one. And I think this has become even more of an issue in college football. Not necessarily college football, but setting numbers for college football games. Uh, and this is, I think Colorado is kind of the de the definition of confusion. Uh, you know, they've got some really talented athletes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to score some points in this game, but it looks like their defense could just be atrocious. Before I continue on with some more of the games here, I had pr promised uh, that I was going to ask this question of you today. So I want to make sure I get to it here, especially with what we saw in some of those contests from last night. Uh, because you had, you know, college football, they don't have preseason games. They don't have these joint practices. They don't have kind of the level of preparation. It's kind of the level of preparation is playing week one. Does that lead you to maybe think that the under should hit a little bit more just because there's that lack of Christmas, lack of execution, lack of timing for some of the offenses? Yeah, I think that's uh, something that people were thinking about. And then now with the new clock rules, uh, I know after the games, what it was seven games last Saturday and X number of games last night, it's not exactly we've had, we haven't exactly had a lot of shootouts here. I need to see a whole lot more 
to think that these rule changes are going to make this big of a difference as far as totals go. I don't bet many college football totals to begin with and rarely have over the years. I think it's, I think it's been much more difficult. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's much easier for me to try to you know, bet totals in the NFL, which I do like to bet unders in the NFL. Like to bet unders in pretty much everything, uh, for the most part. But I can't do it here. But I really haven't had much of an opinion here so far. And I also, you know, I don't, you know, bet a lot of games to start with. Uh, but especially in college football in the month of September, because when I've actually tried it before, it uh, oftentimes has not worked out in my favor. And I'm a guy that is more of an eye test guy than a numbers guy and whatever guy. Uh, I need to see teams play some, and you know that's kind of just where I am. And I don't know if that's probably not a good answer to your question. I apologize, but I just tried to trying to explain my alleged rationale there. I appreciate it. We'll get into one more game before we head to break, and it's Ohio State and Indiana. Ohio State minus 29.5, Indiana plus 29.5, over-under sitting at 59.5. Kyle McCord was named the starting quarterback, uh, but, you know, question marks here. How how solidified is he in that quarterback spot over Devin (laughs) Brown? Uh, He could possibly play, too. You do have Travion Henderson back at running back, and, of course, the talented Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver receiver for the Buckeyes and then of course we talked about uh in some earlier extra points I think it was last week just the overall state of Indiana football yeah when's basketball start uh kind of if you're an Indiana fan uh spring you know the practice usually is October October the 15th uh so that's the that's about all I got for Indiana as far as Ohio State goes I've heard a bunch, a bunch of people, including last night in these college football halftime shows, pregame shows, etc. Did people not watch like five minutes or you know less than five minutes of the, you know the uh, you know basically the you know, the press the Ryan Day press conference from Tuesday? His first sentence was, you know, almost verbatim, is that Kyle McCorder is a starter for the Indiana game. And then, like, his next sentence or the next topic is he said that Devin Brown will play in the Indiana game. He never said that this is our starter for the season. It was for the Indiana game. And it seems like that everybody just looked at the headline or watched the the first 15 seconds of the press conference. McCord's a starter. You know, there's plenty of people in Columbus who think that Devin Brown's a better quarterback than Kyle McCord. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. The fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. is went to high school with Kyle McCord, some believe that that's the reason that Kyle McCord is a starting quarterback at Ohio State. They've also got some other issues. Their offensive line is still a very big mystery, personnel-wise, effectiveness-wise. They lost both tackles last year to the NFL, including Paris Johnson, first-round draft pick for the Cardinals. The defense has to eliminate the big plays. Remember the last two games they played last season, the only two losses they had. They got trashed on big plays by Michigan, and then uh, they were winning. Uh, they had a, you know, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter against Georgia in the college football playoff semifinal. And then the big play thing came back and haunted them again. Uh, it looks like that you know, we, we're certainly familiar with Saguaro High School product uh, Denzel Burke. Uh, who has been a starter since day one in Ohio State. 
He had a much better freshman season than he did last year as a sophomore. He's back uh, for year three. And uh, the corner of opposite of him is Jordan Hancock. And, you know, obviously I follow Ohio State pretty closely. And people that have at least been to practices uh, say that Hancock has actually been better so far in preseason practice, at least the practices they've witnessed, than Burke has. So lots of questions about Ohio State. They're laying, this is another game that they're like a 30-point favorite. Uh, I'm not going to make a case for Indiana because I think that they're horrible. Uh, But it is a road game. Quarterback issues. They're going to play two guys in this game. Uh, I guess if I had to do something, I guess I'd take IU in the points. But uh, uh, there's not a chance I would bet any money on this. We'll get into more games from the weekend ahead on the other side of the break. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. But want to make you aware, the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation excited to take its 50-year history of a -a one-of-a-kind charitable golf outings and events to Scottsdale for a year two of the Lombardi Southwest Open. It's taking place September 16th at Talking Stick Resort. For more information, LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. More Friday spread coming up on the other side of the break it is the extra point every monday night check out ray adams as he hosts the monday night golf and lifestyle show from 6 to 7 p.m here on kdus am 1060 Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Continuing our Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials over at Von Hansen's certified Angus Beef Choice New York Strip Steak at $24.99 a pound. Bacon wrapped boneless pork chops, uh, two for $10. And the fresh jumbo party style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound we'll have the $100 gift certificate available a little bit later on in the show and come with your bet for the weekend as we'll all be rooting for it we put five dollars on it and uh, at the season's end donate our winnings to charity continuing with week one in college football Boise State UW Boise State plus 14 and a half UW minus 14 and a half over under sitting at 58 and a half. So, of course, you have Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix Jr. They're running it back. Uh, So the questions here are, you know, are they going to be able to live up to these increased expectations? And on the Boise State side of things here, Dirk Cutter is no longer the offensive coordinator. And Andy Avalos is in his third season as Broncos head coach. So, uh, you know, can he – it's been quite some time. We remember Boise State as being this uh, kind of killer for big-time programs as a mid-major. Can they return to that sort of status? I don't think so. Uh, They are considered to be the best group of five team by some, but it's a really bad group of five teams this year. In college football, they were also awful when they played outside the Mountain West Conference a year ago. They got trashed by pretty much everybody. Uh, so we'll see. I think this game is a massive coaching mismatch uh, with DeBoer much better than Avalos. However, one big problem here is that Cameron Davis, who is one of the best rushers in the Pac-12, has a knee injury. And I knew that he got hurt at some point and may not play in this game, but I heard Matt Newman's on VEASAN on uh, their college football podcast. I listened to it this morning, and apparently Davis might be out for the season. And that Ooh. is a really big deal for Washington. That would be a huge deal for Washington. 
Uh, the game day game, UNC in South Carolina, UNC minus two and a half, South Carolina plus two and a half, over under sitting at 64 and a half. So UNC has all the hype with Drake May at quarterback. South Carolina has another year of Spencer Rattler. And if you look at what he did last year with South Carolina, in the first 10 games, he was completing 65% of his passes, 11 yards per completion, and he had an eight to nine touchdown to interception ratio. Then his last three games, with South Carolina last year, it was 69% completion, 12.4 yards per completion, 10 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, it's amazing that this is the game day game. These two teams combined for 10 losses last season. North Carolina lost its last four games a year ago. And Drake May, who I'm told is like the second quarterback going to be drafted after this year. I don't understand it. He was absolutely horrible, and I mean horrible, against the better defenses for the most part, the better defenses that they faced last year. So I'm really confused as why he's supposed to be good. I also think this game is another massive coaching mismatch. God bless Mac Brown. Seems to be a nice guy. Wish you were, like, related to me or a friend of mine or whatever. I think he's a terrible game day coach, and I thought that, that he, he won a national championship at Texas. And I actually thought that, but he had a tremendous assistant. Uh, his his assistant, uh, the staff of assistants he had, was tremendous. Uh, but you know, you know, you know, Beamer is certainly a better game day coach than Mac Brown. So I guess I would favor uh, South Carolina by a little bit. But uh, that's about the uh, that's the uh, the case I guess I'm making. But once again, uh, I'm not betting on this game either. In fact, I'm not betting on any game this weekend in college football, at least as of right now. Oregon State and San Jose State. Oregon State minus 16 and a half. San Jose State plus 16 and a half over under sitting at 55 and a half. Uh, so you have San Jose State already playing a game. They lost 56 yeah. to 28 to USC. Uh, the question here is, uh, you know, about their their offensive play. How much was it their ability to move the ball? How much was it USC's defense not quite figuring things out yet? And then for Oregon State, they, of course, have a new quarterback back in DJU uh was that just the missing link for OSU to take it to that next level might be Let, let's start with San Jose State you know, Cordero Shevin Cordero is a really good player he used to be at Hawaii uh transferred to San Jose State he's the preseason Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Year he had a good game last week against USC he's very good this game's also at San Jose uh, bad scheduling by Oregon State, but maybe they just couldn't do anything about that. I don't know if it's a home-and-home home thing or whatever, but why the hell would you have a home-and-home home with San Jose State if you're a Pac-12 team? But that's not my problem. I guess that's their problem. I do like Oregon State. In fact, I have some Oregon State at 10-1 to 1 win the Pac-12. Uh, they have the best offensive line in the conference. They might have the best offensive line in college football. Uh, so they're really good. And you mentioned DJU. Uh, who I think uh, kind of got unfairly maligned. Uh, he actually kind of you know, tore himself down to some extent because, remember, he was so good that game against Notre Dame in the COVID year when Trevor Lawrence couldn't play, and he kind of you know splashed on the scene and whatever. Uh, and he, he certainly has a lot of skills and so forth. And I would actually, if I were Clemson, I'd rather have DJU and the quarterback that actually is still there who – you know, completely sucked at the end of last year 
uh, and then you know has a heralded guy from I think from Texas. Uh, but you know, anyway, so I think Oregon State's a good team. I don't really like this spot at all, though. You know, the fact that San Jose State played last week and this game's at San Jose? Really? We'll get to Cade Klubnick here in a minute. Uh, because first oh, have- that's him. Cade Klubnick. Yeah. I, I, I should remember his name because I spent half of last season trashing the guy. <laughs> we'll get to him so in a minute. I, I just don't, I don't, I've never understood the fascination here. Like, a couple good games and people are going wild. We'll get to him in a minute as Clemson is taking on Duke. First, we have to talk about LSU and Florida State. LSU minus two and a half, Florida State plus two and a half, over under sitting at 55 and a half. Uh, both of these squads have increased expectations this season for LSU, Jaden Daniels. Uh, also for FSU, it's Jordan Travis. Both are in the conversation for Heisman, um, even though it kind of seems like Caleb Williams yet again is running away with it in the early goings here. Uh, but for for the purposes of this conversation, you have Harold Perkins Jr. for LSU, seven and a half sacks last season he's, here. He's really good. Yeah, he's a stud. Yeah. Uh, in FSU's, though, six-game stretch last year where they were just really dominant, they ranked first nationally in points per drive, first in scoring drives per game. So will that production pick up where it left off? No, because the majority of that was against some really bad defenses in the ACC, and pretty much every defense in the ACC was really bad last year. So that's another reason I don't believe in Drake May, as he you know, compiled all these numbers against pathetic defenses and guys that are probably, in some cases, not even starting for some of those teams this year. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but this is a game I'm very intrigued to watch this game. As a fan of college football, this is the one game I'm most looking forward to watching. I'm going to watch you know, other games to try to get some kind of uh, you know, financial edge <laughs> the rest of the weekend. But th- this is this Sunday. This is uh, it's a Sunday game. I, I assume they're playing this game on Sunday night. So uh, this is a good game. Last year they played in the uh, – this game's in Orlando, by the way. It's not in Tallahassee. I heard somebody say yesterday this game. In fact, I heard somebody on ESPN say that this game's in Tallahassee. It's not in Tallahassee. This game is in Orlando, which is in the state of Florida. You remember last year they played the first game. It was, you know, Baton Rouge is close to New Orleans, but the game was in the Superdome in New Orleans. So I guess that was maybe part of their deal in the home and home, even though it's not truly a home and home. Uh, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, I don't really have much of an opinion on this, but I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, LSU is a small favorite in this game, and it seems to be surprising to at least a lot of the podcasters I've heard, uh, two or three college football podcasts. Uh, I guess that means they're on the Florida State side, but uh, it seems to be a surprise to them that uh, LSU is a small road favorite in this game. Clemson minus 12 and a half, Duke plus 12 and a half, over under sitting at 55 and a half. So Cade Klubnick here, will he grow into the quarterback role? How will Garrett Riley, new offensive coordinator, be able to help him achieve some of that potential? Uh, then you also have, of course, Clemson and their defense. According to ESPN's ranking, they have them fifth heading into the season. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. at middle linebacker here. And then for the Duke side of things, you know, they played well last year. So So can they hang here? Uh, They have so many, um, uh, you know, veterans on this squad here. And so Riley Leonard at quarterback, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,967 yards last year for for Duke. 
I can make a case that Riley, Le Riley, uh, Riley Leonard, he tried to say, is the best quarterback in this game ahead of my buddy Klubnik. Um, uh, he's good. In fact, I think that he has an NFL future. I have to check out the measurables, and I'm not sure how tall and big he is, but whatever. He looks like he made some throws last year that caught my attention. And Duke played pretty much everybody tough last year. Were they getting two touchdowns in this game? Uh, so if I were going to do anything in this game, it would be uh, shade the Duke side. But uh, we'll see how it goes. And on that Clemson thing, the number five, they, they, Clemson's defense wasn't great last year either, by the way. They had some not good performances against some of the better offenses that Clemson faced. So I guess that they uh, had a really good offseason. And uh, you know that's how they are so elevated in the ESPN rankings. Yeah, I think it's interesting here. Clemson in general, um, not, you know, where where is Clemson going to fall into things in the conversation this year? Because at least for a lot of time last year, it seemed like the conversation was still like just overall narrative based upon previous performance and not actually the product that we were seeing on the field. Well, I think that the ACC has really gotten worse and Clemson has also gotten worse, but Clemson still has the most talent in the conference for the most part. Maybe Florida State, depending on all these transfers, they got a million of them, whether they actually step up. But Clemson still seems to have the most talent in the ACC. We'll get into a little miscellaneous information to wrap up our number one on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. It's a lightning fast wrap-up of hour number one on this Friday, September 1st. We had plenty to get into with the Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits returning in anticipation of week one of the college football season. There's still that $100 gift certificate available for you on the line. Let's get into a few things that have caught my attention in the world of the NFL, though. Pete Carroll has officially ruled out safety Jamal Adams for week one versus the Rams. Uh, you remember that uh, he suffered the quad, quad injury last season, and he was activated off of the pup list, but officially being ruled out for week one. Not surprising, I don't think. I mean, it would have been a, kind of a, one of those miracle cure things if he was going to be back that quickly. Uh, the thing that got my attention the most yesterday is Sean McVay basically saying that Cooper Cup has had a setback. Uh, Cup said earlier this week that he'd be good enough to play in week one, but now looks like that that is a day-to-day -day was the Sean McVay thing as far as Cooper Cup as of yesterday. Yes, that also caught my attention, as did the Patriots claiming Panthers quarterback Matt Corral off of waivers. Tyreek Hill not being sanctioned by the NFL for his alleged assault. All right, it's time. The $100 gift certificate could be yours. Come with your play of the weekend as well. And be caller number three, 602-260-1060. You're the winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It's a certified Angus Beef Choice New York Strip Steak at $24.99 a pound weekend. Bacon-wrapped boneless pork chops, two for $10. Fresh jumbo party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound, 602 260-1060. Caller number three is the winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Hour two next.